I count it a privilege to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ this morning. Like I said earlier, often at Christmas time we consider Christ's birth, but this morning I would like to consider Christ's purpose, why he came to earth. You know, Jesus came to earth bearing precious gifts for humanity, specifically those gifts for you and for me. And even as the Father embraced the Father, I'm sorry, even as Jesus embraced the Father's purpose for his life, and he brought those gifts to whomsoever will, those gifts cost him everything. We just sang about what a Savior. His heart was broken and he was on the cross for you and for me. Those gifts that he brought to us for our benefit cost him his life's blood and his very life. And I say praise his holy name. And I was interested as I looked at Brother John David Risser's testimony. And I share with this with you. Do you all realize it's dangerous to live our lives outside of a godly purpose? Do you all realize that's dangerous? It was interesting as I looked at John David Risser's testimony... Point number eight said this, and I quote, I'd like you to think about it and see what you think. It's, see, it's a pretty bold statement. It's a strong statement, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. I quote, I believe that if self is my focus, either physical or spiritual suicide will occur. That's pretty strong. But I think if you think about it, if that is our focus, we're in big trouble. And he gave references, and I'm not going to turn to those uh, that would support that idea. The title of the message this morning is The Imperativeness of a Godly Purpose. I invite you to Luke chapter 4. The Imperativeness of a Godly Purpose. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. In this passage, Jesus clearly, he delineates his purpose for coming to the earth. And that's mostly in verses 18 and 19. But we'll look um, here in just a moment. The context of this passage is just prior to this passage we're going to read. Jesus had been baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Immediately following that event, Jesus was taken and tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. And then we pick up this passage. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. We're thinking about Christ's purpose. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and now follows the purpose. What was Jesus' purpose? Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and I added my Bible by Satan. Verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. 
And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Conver um, compare verse 1 of chapter 4, where the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So going into the wilderness experience of temptation, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Notice how he comes out of that experience. Verse 14, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. In in Galilee, that stood out to me. You and I, at least I think sometimes, we go through a difficult trial or temptation. We feel kind of depleted, pretty depleted when we come out of that. Jesus went in full of the Spirit. He came out with the, in the power of the Spirit. And that blessed me as I thought of that. You know, Jesus' love for humanity was fueled by his compassion and proven through acts of kindness. And I want to commend you, Brother Elam. Not only is it a verbal, in Sister Ellen, not only is it a verbal uh, accession that you have faith in God, but you have a desire to go and to show, uh, to meet the needs of hurting people. I want to commend you for that. That's following the Master. Now in verses 18 and 19, in these two verses, Jesus specifies six categories of his ministry. And brothers and sisters, if you look close enough, I think you'll find your name mentioned here in one of these, several of these categories maybe. In verse 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for what purpose? And then he goes and he speaks. And I'd like to consider those six categories this morning of why Jesus came. What was his purpose? Number one, Jesus said, he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And I submit to you that Jesus came to bring salvation to a lost and dying world. The Bible tells us plainly, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you see your name there? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in our Sunday school lesson, it talks about, I have redeemed thee. I'm blessed by what... Simeon said in Luke chapter 2, go back a couple pages, Luke chapter 2, verses 30 and 32, Luke 2, 30 and 32, where Simeon says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. That was a profound statement, at least I think it was. Often the Jews were thinking that they were God's chosen people. Salvation was for them, for the nation of Israel. Look what Simeon says. He says, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Salvation is for all people. And I'm blessed by that this morning. Jesus, he did preach often to the multitudes, but I'm so blessed in studying for this sermon that it seems Jesus often went out of his way to minister to individuals, often one-on-one. -on -one. And I believe he still does that today. He's interested in you as an individual, what you're going through. He wants to meet your needs. Um, John chapter 4 would, would bear out, thinking about the woman at the well. John chapter 4, what does it say about Jesus? 
John chapter 4, verse 4, it says, and he must needs go through Samaria. And I like that. Jesus had a purpose to go through Samaria. He had a purpose. The disciples, if I, rem- if I, I think I remember that the disciples had gone into the city to buy food, but Jesus had a purpose. He had one person he wanted to meet, one individual he wanted to meet this woman at the well. You know, the Jews often looked at the Samaritans as these dreaded half-breeds, didn't want anything to do with them. But Jesus had a purpose. He wanted to meet the need of one woman, and he did. And that blesses my heart. As you think, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, you think about salvation, what does it mean to you? And I had to think this morning, I think it was... 53 years ago, I know I'm getting old, I know my hair's getting grayer, but it's 53 years since I accepted the Lord. What does salvation mean to me? I think after a period of time, maybe, oh yeah, Jesus saved me, but we have been redeemed from an eternal, literal, burning hell forever. What does that mean to you? Jesus came to bring salvation to a lost and dying world. Number two, Jesus said, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So Jesus came to bring healing to those whose lives have been shattered by sin and circumstance. Have any of you experienced, maybe even currently, a situation where the the resolution seems impossible How many of you are facing situations that are larger than you are? What do you do? Where do you go? Have you experienced heartache? Are things not turning out like you think they would or should? Look at Luke chapter 24. We're going to look at a couple of some some New Testament characters and some current people that we know of as we go through these passages. Luke chapter 24, you know the account of the two on the way to Emmaus. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but Luke 24, verse 17. And he said, let me read verse 15. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. And I like that. These two people were, were going through difficult experience that they didn't didn't understand and Jesus himself drew near. Jesus is desiring to do that to you, to draw near to you. And he went with them, verse 16, but their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk? And Jesus recognized that they were sad. He knew that. And he drew near to minister to them. Uh, Verse 21, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel, speaking of Jesus, following the crucifixion, and beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. They did not understand. They thought that this was to be the redeemer of Israel, possibly to release them from physical oppression. But let's look uh, a little bit further. Verse 32 And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? 
that's beautiful of how Jesus met the need of these that didn't understand what was going on. I'm assuming many of you at some point in life have suffered heartache, discouragement, sadness, situation that you don't know, maybe a long-term event that is very wearing, wearing on you. I'd like to share this. Um, this is a story by A.W. Tozer. And he tells of a woman that was from Toronto, Canada, who got married. And sad to say, later on, her husband became a drunk. And night after night, this man would come home after spending time with his drinking buddies. And night after night, he had thrown up on himself and he would come home uh, to his wife. His wife would meet him at, at the door. She would take him in. She would clean him up. And she would pray with him and tuck him in bed. In the morning, he'd wake up and apologize to his wife. I'll never touch that again. I'm not going to do that again. But night after night, night after night, day after day, week after week, month after month, Year after year, this man was in bondage. Can you imagine the heartache of this woman? Not one day, not one year, but 20 years. This woman would meet him at the door, take him in, clean him up, pray with him, and tuck him in bed. 20 plus years. Finally, after 20 years, this this man gave his heart to the Lord Jesus and this woman was faithful for 20 years. Jesus knows about heartache and he desires to come near. Third point of the message. Jesus said he has sent me. We're going back to Luke chapter 3. Jesus has sent me to preach deliverance to the captives. So Jesus came to bring release to those in spiritual bondage. And we know that mankind in his own strength can never bring about reconciliation between his own sin nature and Almighty God. It's impossible for man to do that. And I'd like to consider briefly the account in Mark chapter 5 of the demon-possessed man at Gadara. Once again, we have Jesus with a purpose. His purpose, you know, they got in the ship and they were crossing the lake. But Jesus had something. He had a specific purpose, a person to relate to. How many of us like to relate to people like this, this man from Gadara? Luke chapter 5, verses 3 to 5. I'm sorry, Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Verses 3 to 5, this man, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains that had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. You talk about bondage. Physical and spiritual bondage like you probably hardly ever heard before or know of a situation. Notice verse 15. 
And they came to Jesus, the people from the town, and they see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting, and he was clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And you know that they ask Jesus to leave their town. And brothers and sisters, I submit to you that there was a lot of hurting, there was a lot of bondage in this town of Gadara. Not only the man that was in the tombs cutting himself, there had to be a lot of people. And yet, they asked this man, they asked Jesus to leave. And how sad. And there's a lot of people that could be affected with the love and blessing and release from the sin of bond, the bondage of sin, and yet they ask Jesus to leave, and he will, he will leave uh, if that's what people ask him to do. But what blessed me so much, the city of Gadara, if I understand, was a Greek city. It was one of the ten cities of the Decapolis, and here Jesus had one person to, in mind to go and minister to. One person. He loved that man, and he went to minister to a man under bondage. And that tells us of how much Jesus loved one person, a foreigner, who needed release from bondage. Number four, the recovering of sight to the blind. Jesus came to restore the sight of the physically and the spiritually blind. Let's turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. We're thinking about Jesus' purpose. John chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was, born, which was blind from his birth. And the disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work. Jesus is speaking about what he needs to do. I must work the works of him, his father who had sent him. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus recognized this. Go down to verses 13 to 16. They brought the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes then again the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight he said unto him he put clay on mine eyes and I was washed and do see and then let's move down to verses 39 to 41 and Jesus said for judgment I am come into this world that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. It reminds us of our Sunday school lesson this morning. Verses just almost verbatim. Uh, verse 40, And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore your sin remaineth. And I like how Jesus, obviously Jesus' greater concern is for the spiritually blind in our world today. He did a lot of healing to the physical ailments that people had. And yet his greatest concern was to heal from the spiritual blindness that people had. Number five, Jesus came. 
to set at liberty them that are bruised, from Luke chapter 3. Jesus came to set those free who had been under Satan's bondage for years. And I love the account of the woman that was taken in adultery in John chapter 8. If you'll turn there, John chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. We're moving through these pretty quickly, and we're not reading all the verses because you know the accounts. John 8, 3 to 5. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Notice the beautiful conclusion when Jesus, verse 10, when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman and said unto him, because the accusers had, had left, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto him, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. And this, this story is beautiful to me because here was a woman, there, she had committed an act of sin and I don't know if she knew what was in the law, but Jesus, Jesus knew what it was in the law. The Pharisees and the scribes, they knew what was in the law, and they were demanding justice. And Jesus told her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine the hope, the love? I, I wish I knew from the Bible what happened to this woman. I don't know that we know. Maybe you know. I don't. But imagine the love, the devotion, the desire to do something for the Master, the one that had brought her release. What a beautiful story. Jesus came to set those free who have been under Satan's bondage for years. And so I ask you, do you know of any situations that are hopeless? We, re, we thought about recently about the hostages in Haiti. It wasn't hopeless. But for two months, day after day, millions of prayers, I believe, ascended to the throne for these hostages. And God came through and delivered them. Maybe for you it could be a relationship that has gone south for many years. Maybe you have a child or children who are making wrong choices that are living in the world. Maybe you have an unbelieving spouse. Maybe you have a debilitating long-term illness. Jesus came to set at liberty them that are bruised or those that would seek him. And I know of some cases of people that are God-fearing that are going through situations that are very difficult. The answers seem few and far between. Do you know of people like that? Are you willing to pray for them and come along beside them and beseech the Father on their behalf? Number six, the last one here that Jesus spoke to, 
Jesus came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus came to bring freedom from the bondage of sin rather than freedom from physical oppression. And in Jesus' day, he preached the word to whomsoever will. The door of salvation was wide open, just like it is today. So spiritual deliverance is not hinging on the provision, but rather on belief and acceptance. Jesus has come. There is deliverance available. It's not so much the problem with the provision. Jesus has come. It's available. But it's for people to believe, to reach out and to receive. That's where it is. Very briefly, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Here we, here we have the account of the two thieves on the cross. Salvation was available to both. Luke chapter 23, verse 37 to, 37 to 43. And saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in the letters of the Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, or the thieves, or criminals, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. The choice. The provision was there, available for both men. One accepted, one rejected. The one was rejected because he did not re reach out in faith believing. And he did not receive deliverance. The other did. That's the same way it is today. Now I'd like to think of Luke 3 verse 21. I was blessed as I read this verse. Luke chapter 3 verse 21 and he, Jesus, began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. This day really spoke out to me. This day resonated in my mind and heart. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus had not only embraced the purpose given to him by his Father, but he fulfilled his ministry. And he says, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. But brothers and sisters, I'm so blessed to think about this day I believe that God's power and God's word transcends every generation, every, every age. And so I ask you, if you find yourself today in one of these six categories, if you find yourself in need of a Savior, if you find yourself burdened by heartache, if you find yourself oppressed or in spiritual bondage, if you find yourself that you need a restored vision, whether physically or spiritually, if you find yourself needing deliverance from Satan's bondage, or you, number six, you need a renewal of your faith, Jesus continues to fulfill the purposes of his Father today. This day is a scripture fulfilled. The power is available. Will you reach out and receive 
and appropriate that power in your life. Once again, the title of the message was The Imperative, the Imperativeness of a Godly Purpose. We know that Jesus embraced the will of his Father, and we know that Jesus fulfilled his ministry while here on earth. Jesus was able to fulfill the work given him by his Father because he embraced the Father's purpose, but it cost him his life. Brothers and sisters, may we never take that sacrifice for granted. And may our praise to him this morning well up and overflow into God's purpose for our lives. And we have looked at Jesus now, and we've looked at how he was faithful in what God had called to him to do, and I'd like us to think about our purpose briefly. Seventh point of the message, embracing God's purpose for my life. Are we living our lives outside of a godly purpose? Are we here only to please our selfish nature? Are we here to accumulate money, property, and wealth so we can retire early? Is it our goal to leave a large inheritance for our children to squabble over when we're dead and gone? And you can laugh if you want to, but it happens. I know of a case right now, sad case of a fairly large family that's struggling to know how to reconcile, to uh, bring to termination uh, settling of an estate. And I say, of those things I just mentioned, God forbid. What is your purpose? What is my purpose? I don't know. I'd like to consider a couple briefly. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye, you people here at the peak, ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth, what is your purpose? That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been redeemed. For what purpose? To show his praises. What a blessing. You've been called out of Satan's kingdom. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 to 16. Matthew chapter 5 verses 14 to 16, ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all them that are in the house. What is your purpose? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I thought of one more, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And I'm sure there's other ones that you could... Uh, fill in here. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? What is your purpose? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, thinking about distractions... Was Jesus ever distracted from the godly purpose that he had received from his father? I think there were several that I could think of that there were people that tried to distract Jesus from his purpose. John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. John chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. 
Then those men, when they had seen the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. It seems to me that the people saw the miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, and saw, and they, they was desiring of what Jesus could come and do for them, and yet they wanted to come and make him a, a king. But it says here, and I don't know if I'm reading more into this verse than I should or not, but he departed again into a mountain himself alone. I don't believe that this was so Jesus could realign his will with the Father. I think this was so Jesus could reconfirm and to get rid of the distractions that had come his way. I believe he was reconfirming the purpose the Father had sent him. Um, that's what I believe. And secondly, Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 and 23. Matthew chapter 16, 21 and 23, another distraction... From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men." I believe this was another account where Jesus needed to reconfirm his will. And you know, that was Jesus. But I would ask you, are there distractions that come your way? Are there distractions that come my way? Are you and I ever distracted from the Father's purpose from our lives? Could we desire to embrace the American dream? To have it easy, to live it up. Could we be distracted by the technology around us? I think we can. What about the accumulation of temporal things? Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So there's several things here. Uh, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of, of riches are things that can distract us from our purpose that the Father has given us. And maybe, I think obviously more than what Jesus, Jesus re reconfirmed the Father's purpose, but I think sometimes we need to realign with the Father's purpose. Sometimes we get a little more off track. In conclusion... For you and I to be faithful in the kingdom of our Father, it's imperative that we embrace His purpose for our lives. May God help us to that end. Shall we have a song?